Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and today my guest is Stephen Park. He stars in the new Wes Anderson film, The French Dispatch. The French Dispatch is a collection of stories revolving around the staff of a newspaper. It stars a cavalcade of Wes Anderson regulars like Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Owen Wilson, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, and has some newcomers such as Timothy Chalamet, Lea Sadu, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright, Saoirse Ronan, Elizabeth Moth. They're, they're just a bunch more people, but Stephen Park plays Lieutenant Nescafier. You may have also seen him in Do the Right Thing, or Fargo or a serious man he was on in living color and honestly as far as I can tell he is the first Asian actor who appears on screen in a role where the character has a name and has a dialogue in a Wes Anderson film we're not counting I love dogs here because that's animated and it's also a whole other story and you can rest assured this is a topic I absolutely brought up with him and without further ado here's we're interviewing who what do you admire most about Lieutenant Nescafe well uh Lieutenant Nescafe Nescafe excuse me <laughs> it's funny because the first time I heard his name, we thought Nescafe, Nescafe like the coffee. Yeah. And I, I had a Spanish teacher who would always say this joke, uh, Nescafe, no es café, just because it was like freeze-dried crystal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I loved the character because it was so out of, unlike any role that I've ever auditioned for or was offered. It was just amazing. And, and I love chefs. I love cooking, you know, and not that I'm a great cook or anything, but um, I just love the process of cooking. I love cooking shows. And uh, there was actually um, uh, a woman uh, who's a, a Buddhist nun that was on Chef's Table uh, uh, with Eric Repair, who was to me uh, inspired, was the inspiration for Lieutenant Nescafier, because I saw him as almost like a monk, someone who devoted his life to cooking. But he, but it was also like almost a spiritual uh, practice for him. So it was not just cooking. He was put, putting his heart and soul into his food, and he was doing it out of a deep sense of, of love. So that's kind of what my idea of, of Lieutenant Nescafier was. This is a perfect segue into my slightly next esoteric question. If All right. you had to describe yourself in flavors, what would they be and why? You, you yourself, not your character. In flavors. Huh. Well, I guess umami is that. That's a flavor. That's a flavor. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, something that was that you would find in Asian cooking of some sort, not too spicy, but maybe a little kick. Okay. Uh, yeah, but something savory. Savory. Okay. Not a sweet. Not a sweets person. There's a little. Well, yeah. I guess there's a little. A little. Because I'm not a big like um, like sweet and sour pork person. I like it, but yeah, that's... of course it's not my go-to. The, the sweet thing, but yeah, all right. No, I, I, I'll say a little. Yeah, I add a little um, something, something sweet in there. Okay, okay. A, a balance, a balance to the palate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What would your ideal police meal be? Police meal. You have to be able to eat it with one hand because you got to yeah. keep the other hand free. For... <laughs> yeah. No, something that has a lot of flavors in one bite, right? So there would be um, perhaps some kind of uh, maybe pate, something. Ooh. I love liver, you know, uh, liver pate, and perhaps a little egg and uh, some vegetables of some kind, maybe um, a very thinly sliced zucchini and radish, something like that. I very much appreciate that you actually answered that question. I yeah, you were just going down you, that you actually thought it, you gave real ingredients. Yeah, Thank I you. went into a trance. I was like, oh. <laughs> it was very meditative. It was very monk-like. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So 
How does your process change when working with different director styles, right? Like some might be more open to improv. I, I think you talked about on Do the Right Thing, you know, there was, there was a very famous moment of improv versus someone who might say be more particular. Right. Well, th with, with Wes, because um, his words are so precise, you're not improvising his, his words so much. There might be moments when he's at, he, he likes to have moments where the characters are maybe whispering under their breath. There were a lot of those, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's a lot of, well, you know what, I, I, what are you doing? You know, there's a lot of that kind of mm -hmm. thing going on in his movies. And, but it's like improvising within a very strict confine, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, you might be delivering a particular line in a bunch of different ways, you know. So it's like, hello, 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 hello. You know, so it's like that. You're just yeah. taking his lines. And But one thing that I did that I've never done on any other film, and this kind of happened spontaneously because uh, I knew I was going to be working in France and that there was a particular mood to this movie and that he had sent me some images ahead of time of what Angoulême looked like of the, the look of the movie that he was going for. So I just started putting them on my wall and then I went through the entire script, the script, my part of the script and every image in the script I printed out and put it on the vision board. So I had a, a scent like the the way the police looked, the way the streets looked, the way, uh, you know, the guns that are being used in this in, in that story, a lot of chef imagery, different people that inspired that that made some kind of it, it wasn't maybe a direct, but some kind, some kind of quality that inspired me for Nescafier. I just put them all on this wall that I had and it became this big vision board and it really helped me to be in the mood of the movie before I was even there. So that really helped me. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. When you got the script, because I, this is, I hope it's not a huge spoiler, folks, but you have very limited dialogue. It's even addressed in it, right? Like what, how much is in the script and how much does Wes give you on set? How much is in the script? Yeah, like how much like direction is in the script? You know, how detailed is that writing or is it more mood? And then you are, you know, you've, you've just mentioned you add your own mood sort of interpretation well, no, to I mean, it. I, yeah, I think I, the, in terms of my, my own research, in terms of like the feeling of the world that he created, all the images that I had helped me get into it. But once you get on uh, set with Wes, then it becomes like, like I have the idea, I know what he's going for generally, but then it's about nuances, you know, mm -hmm. like he likes a lot of takes. So you, you just kind of like, I mean, I remember it's like he said, let's do a rehearsal, you know, so I was already kind of in the space. And then Jeffrey was there. This is for the, the, the last scene that we did. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we just did it. And then Wes was like, oh, we should have shot that, you know, because it was like we were completely in it already. But then, we, you know, we ended up shooting it a number of times. And then he would just kind of because it was very into, it was an in, very intimate scene. He would just be whispering notes to me. It's like, okay, try it this way, try it that way, you know. So you get to start to play with it, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of the general feeling and the general idea, like that's already in the script uh, ahead of time. Got it. Yeah, I just can't imagine getting sent a script. And this is, I'm not an actor, obviously, right? Where it's just like, here's your four lines. You go, okay, <laughs> you know, I guess I'll make it work. But it's Wes Anderson, so of course you're going to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, when, if ever, did you first feel represented on screen? Kelvin Han Yi in A Great Wall. That's okay. the first time I felt like, do you know the movie? Yes. Yeah, that's the first time. He's a great guy, too. I love Kelvin. And uh, I remember um, seeing that 
this was before I started acting professionally. And uh, yeah, the kind of him, this, this guy who grew up in America, he was all American, didn't want to learn Chinese, you know, and his father's constantly getting on his case about learning a language and he just doesn't care. And then he goes to China and I just loved how he, how comfortable he was when he got there and then he got to know his relatives. And I, I admired him and I admire his character because for myself, like I didn't grow up speaking Korean and I always felt a great deal of shame about it. So that was something that was hard for me to overcome as I got older. And I didn't feel that in his, his portrayal of this character, like there was no shame with him. So I, I, uh, really, um, loved his uh, character and his performance. I was rereading your 97 mission statement, and I, I really felt like it could have been written in 2021, you know, <laughs> um, for a lot of it, unfortunately. But where do you think there's been the most progress since then? And where do you think we still need the most areas of improvement? Or where is there most room for growth? Well, I think in uh, casting, I feel like the doors have been bust open. Like you see so much representation going on, sometimes like a little bit like maybe sometimes too much in the sense like to do a project just to have all these different people of color instead of having a really solid story. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like sometimes yeah. it feels a little bit like that. Like they're just trying to have diversity in their It's cast. performative. Yeah. Yeah. There's a performative quality to it, but yeah, there, there's a definite um, sense like we can't go back. I mean, this whole pandemic, I feel like it's this huge dividing line before and after and uh, just the, the way, you know, things are just not tolerated anymore and diversity or, uh, you know, making sure that there's representation is become before it was like low priority. Now it's top priority. So that's huge. And even and but I also know that like any social uh, transformation, it's very messy at first and it's going to continue to be very messy. Um, until we figure out how this all is supposed to look, I, I suppose, you know, but the fact that we're not tolerating certain kinds of behavior anymore and, and you know, just uh, the level of racism that was tolerated in this country, it's like, even though it's still going on, I mean, now it's like we collectively, I feel like, have passed uh, a definite threshold for sure. Did you, did, I think you are the first uh, named character that is played by an East Asian actor in a Wes Anderson film. Hmm. In fact, you might be one of the only human <laughs> ones in general. I'm not counting Isle of Dogs uh -huh. because it's animated right. characters. Right. But yeah, you are, you, you now well, have that. Because I been I just came back from working on the, the, the his next film, Wes's next movie. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got to uh, meet Tony Revolori and we just like immediately just started talking about, first of all, being like the few people of color in, in Wes's movies and what that means and just our careers in general. So we completely bonded over just our experiences of um, being people of color in this business. Yeah, you're right. forging ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I have to say working with Wes, like Wes creates, we call it Westworld. It's Westworld. Uh, yeah. It's not reality. And... I mean, this is going to sound strange, but I don't feel like there's like race in, in Wes's mind. Like I know he gets criticized a lot because his cast are so white, but I didn't feel anything when I was there. I just feel his, his love for me and for everybody there. And he casts who he likes. And 
so it's almost the opposite of the performative. I need people of color. I'm so grateful he's not like that, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of casting me. Like, I just yeah, need yeah. you guys. So I, I need, you know, I'm so grateful. Like, that's not how he cast me. You no, know? It, it didn't. It doesn't feel like it's an intentional overt omission. It just feels like it maybe wasn't on the forefront of his mind, but now it's starting to seep in because the culture is changing, right? And it's just like, oh, let me expand my circle of casting. And then he finds wonderful actors like you. And it's like, this is the right person for the right role. They just happen to look different than some of the rest of the cast. Right, right. And also acknowledging the fact that I'm a foreigner, you know, like the whole thing that my character is like very aware Mm -hmm. of his position, you know? Yeah. The fact that Wes articulated that. So I was very grateful that Wes, there's something going on in his consciousness that he's aware, you know? He yeah. knows what he's doing, you know? Yeah, he's working it out on the screen. It's yeah. just the rest of us have to work it out internally. What was it? Self-reflection is something either best done alone or not at all. <laughs> that was such a great... Speaking of self-reflection, how do you define personal success now? And how has that changed from earlier in your career? Personal success. I think that I've gotten more... As I've gotten older, I've because I'm very, like, spiritual person... I've like been a spiritual seeker all my life and I, I feel like my ego has become less and less a dominant force in my like I understand my ego now. I understand how it sabotages me. I understand how it's caused me a lot of suffering throughout my life and my career particularly. So um, I just really just try to live in the moment. You know, I'm a big uh, believer in uh, the things like Eckhart Tolle talks about, just power of now and being in the moment and being present and and that this is it, you know? So I don't think too much about success per se. Like, I'm just grateful. Like, it's like my sense of gratitude, I think, has amplified, uh, especially once I started working with Wes, I'm just so grateful to be there. So I don't have anything to complain about. So that I think that's it. Like, I don't, there's nothing for me to complain about. Everything is such a gift, you know? Is, is success maybe being able to live in the moment, like having that ability. Yeah, I think that's it. Success is really about embracing the moment and recognizing that in each and every moment, there's no problem. Problem only exists, problems exist in time. They don't exist in the moment. That is a very enlightened (laughs) way of thinking. And I'm envious that you've been able to sort of tap into that. (laughs) This is a totally different question, but growing up, who was your favorite fictional character? Favorite fictional character? be from a book um, or a movie well i you know i remember identifying with charlie brown oh they're the kind of um uh vulnerable kind of picked on a little you know like yeah i, I think i remember identifying with charlie brown okay <laughs> charlie brown's a good person at the end yeah. of the day so you know that's yeah no totally and do you remember the first film you saw in theaters that you were the reason for going to see as opposed to being dragged along by parents or something along those lines Enter the Dragon, I think. Oh, really? No, God, Bruce Lee was like an idol. I mean, yeah, Bruce Lee. (laughs) So I remember actually going with my parents and getting very uncomfortable during the Jim Kelly bedroom scene. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a that's that's fair. That's fair, but you got to see Bruce Lee. Yeah, no, I I, because I was you know I grew up studying karate and I was very into martial arts and so you know like I remember just like after seeing that seeing that movie I was. Dragging because I think I, I couldn't go to see the movie without my parents or without right. an adult. So, yeah. So I, I think that was it. 
It's, it's a good one, though. That's a pretty yeah. legendary one. Well, you know, I don't. I just saw it not too long ago, and doesn't hold up in the same way just because of where we are now as a culture. Yeah. And, and what what it was was how Jim Kelly is killed in that movie. I was like, oh, that doesn't really resonate. I mean, that 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 it's not a good a good thing now. I mean, just fact that the only black character in the movie is the one who gets killed in this way. So anyway. Oh. Okay, it's, it was a really perfect segue into a question I have, and please feel free not to answer this if you're not comfortable, and I get the sense it's a wrap it up. But speaking of sort of culture evolving and all those things, how do you feel now about maybe some of the skits you did during In Living Color? Um, or do you just not revisit them, which is also very fair? Well, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen yeah. them in a long time. But yeah, I, you know, part of In Living Color was like making fun of people, and I think certain people's feelings got hurt. You know, I remember meeting Connie. I, we did a skit um, where I was Connie Chung and Jim Carrey was uh, Maury Povich. And we did this uh, music video called Me Want Maury, which was to the song Me So Horny. And mm -hmm. she wanted to get there. Anyway, I ended up meeting her after uh, at some event. And um, and she admitted to me that that hurt her feelings. And I felt really horrible about that. And also, like, some of the, the stereo, you know, there were just things that that, that whole experience was a whole that I could write a novel about my experience <laughs> it was not easy but the, the 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 point of the show was like making fun of stereotypes so right it, it was it was edgy in that way on purpose it, it so it was kind of designed to offend people in mm -hmm. a way. yeah so. that's fair and anything you know trying to be uh, provocative I think you yeah. know serves its purpose in many ways. It's a, it's a commentary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so I guess we have to wrap up, but it was a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. Congratulations on the film. I look forward to the next one as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. A huge thank you to Stephen Park. He can be seen in The French Dispatch. And as mentioned, he will be in the next Wes Anderson film. If you liked this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.